Our citizenship is in heaven first. Yeah, God loves this country and blesses it every day and fights for it. Because of you and I, not because of anything else. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of His children. What God has done for our storytellers, He lives to do for you. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. John 7.24 says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. In today's episode, Eve shares his powerful experiences in Part 2, Citizen of Heaven. The truth is, this is a truly God's story. There was nothing about it that's based on luck. My story is not complete, and it's far from it. Um, moved me from Los Angeles to Dallas. He gave me a wife and a son. And yet, we still don't know what the future holds for us. That's why it comes back again to be anchored in God not more than ever. And and I said that to myself over and over because it's something that my human mind needs to be reminded of every day, every minute of the day. You know, as a kid, you always thought you did something wrong. So I always thought I did something wrong. There's something wrong with me, and that's the narrative always played in my head. And... um so it's really interesting to be 38 <laughs> and uh, in America, supposedly one of the freest countries in the world, I feel, believe it is. Um, yet in some ways you still are reminded that you're just a black man. I've never been part of the black American history I don't have ancestors here, but yet we still all, you know, I, can, I can't even tell you how many times I've been pulled over by cops when I lived in Los Angeles. Is this your car? Are you selling something? You know, and there's been times, I remember I was in San Diego, I was with friends, and we were staying somewhere, and I'm like, I'm going to go into the grocery store real fast and had bags of eggs and stuff for us to cook for the night and because we were spending the weekend there. I was walking through this one park, and I get a bunch of cops jumping from bush. It was the weirdest experience, taking me down really violently. My eggs broke, everything, pinned me to the ground, I had no idea what was going on, freaked out, scared, and putting hands in my pocket, pulled my phone out, pulled my wallet. Luckily, I had my ID on me. I'm always so freaked out if I don't have my ID, because that's the one thing sometimes is a lifesaver. In this case, it was. They pulled my ID and said, oh, it's not him, it's not him. They didn't apologize. It's said, oh, we thought it was someone else left me on the floor. I had to pick up broken eggs and everything else. 
I, I couldn't even explain to my white friends what just happened to me. I need to carry this guilt. It's like, I did something wrong. There's something wrong with me. So those issues, I believe, are real. You know, we... Um, my wife is white. My, my son is mixed. And... It breaks my heart that this is a fight I don't want him to go through. And I don't know who said this, but I've always liked this line, every generation has its battles. Every, you know, my, I, I, my father fought some of his battles, but because he didn't finish his battles, I'm fighting my battles and his battles. This whole thing of Black Lives Matter. When I want us to win this conversation of why this really is an issue, that it's a separate issue. My life is not political. It should not be used as a pawn for the left or the right. But the fact that just as somebody who lives in this country who deserves to be appreciated and acknowledges any other white folks who lives in this country. And winning this battle for me is a big one because I don't want my son to fight this battle. I mean, I grew up in a mostly white church in South Africa, and I experienced racism there too. I mean, I experienced God's love the day I got saved, like I've never had before his acceptance and what he did for me. Um, and it got murky for me when I, people that I looked up to but would never acknowledge me and I would serve them and I'll serve in their churches week in and week out, would never acknowledge me. That became, um, is this heaven? Is this how heaven is going to be for me? I struggled with it a lot where it wasn't, God, I don't, I don't understand this. I, I was, I mean, I, there was just so much compound from hurt, from identity, from growing up in a war zone, in the refugee camp and all those things. But um, when it comes to his church, always, it was always performance-based. It was always... Whenever the pastor will talk about the picture of a man of God was everything that I wasn't. White, who grew up in a decent family, who wasn't poor. Um, I mean, there was this notion, if you're still poor after all these years, then there must be a sin, a living sin that's in you or in your family or curse that's been eating you up. I mean, that was kind of the general understanding of it. You know, if people refer to me as oh, that poor black kid, it was never, is I equal? We are called to love the poor. Oh, that little poor boy. You know, that, that was the sentiment of um, growing up in those environments. It's almost gaslighting, if you think about it, where that, that thing said that, that sentence that goes, we are, there is equal footing at the foot of Christ. I mean, the very 
existence of Christ and his death is is so contradictory and offensive to what we see in our world today, in the church especially, you know, and how people are treated. You question your own sanity because at the end of the day, when you see people excelling and gaining and accumulating without even trying, yet you're on your knees, you're praying, you're doing all the things that you know you ought to do and you're trying to be content, you're trying to be all these things and at some point your humanity questions everything of what am I missing here? What's wrong with me? You know, I listen to some preachers and, and I buy the book because I'm like, I, I'm desperate. I, I need to figure it out because I don't see it in the Bible. Maybe um, you have 10 steps and I did a stem steps. I'm not nowhere near. Nothing actually happens. It turns out I'm so unique in the way I was made and you're so unique in the way it was made. And, and it's, it's such a lie for you to tell me if you do this, this and that, it's going to happen for you too. And it defeats the very principle of who Jesus is and what Jesus taught. Who you are is not like anybody else, you know. We can take it back to even Psalm 139 about how we are wonderfully made in a need in our mother's womb and there's all those things. And But when you listen to people that you respect, who feed you the message Sunday in and Sunday out, and are doing things that make you question your own reality. Yeah, that's really gaslighting. Yeah, I think there's. I think it's something that a lot of Christians are struggling with. As far as I'm concerned, our citizenship is in heaven first. You know. Um, yeah, God loves this country and blesses it every day and fights for it. Because of you and I, not because of anything else. You know. Some Christian circles, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Do you believe this, this, and that? Before I can actually extend an olive branch to you. And um, I think we're going to go merry-go-around over and over until we stop judging and stop loving. And I think that's kind of where it's going to be the biggest challenge for us as Christians is having that discernment of the Holy Spirit now than ever before. That, that deep love for one another now than ever before. That deep love for the ones who don't think like you, don't believe what you believe, who sometimes even hate your existence. Because we are dealing with a generation of people who are hurting, who are confused, who are needing to be acknowledged. And that's not going to come from the government. We've given them too much power. We've given them responsibility that was never theirs to bear. We've given them the weapons to the moral fight instead of us fighting it from the other side. And until we start doing those things, we'll see this wedge of separation will get deeper and deeper and deeper and nothing good will come out of it because everybody will lose, I believe. And it's going to take us 
go deeper with God. And, and I'm saying that to myself because I'm nowhere near. These are things that I'm haunted by early hours of the morning or before I go out to bed at night. I think the one question I'm starting to ask is, Jesus, where are you? I want to feel you right now. I want to be with you right now. And, and, I, and I'm really starting to believe Jesus is like, I'm here. He really says that at any given time, every, every given moment. And it sounds so cliche, but it's so, so true. We encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what he wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share his stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.